0: Hello and welcome to the Life Before Trinity podcast. My name is Pete Norris. I am the prayer and worship rep uh, and I also host these uh, podcasts. This month we've got a special edition of the podcast where we're going to be talking to some of the BAME members uh, of the Trinity family and we're just going to be firing at them some questions that have uh, partly come from me, partly come from the community just around all the issues and stuff that's been going on, particularly over the last sort of six to eight months, really to help us just continue the conversation and to keep engaging uh, with this vital um, topic. I've also put together some of these questions, uh, really in the hope that they will reflect maybe some of the questions or thoughts that you've had that maybe you don't feel confident enough or maybe feel rightly so, that maybe they wouldn't be appropriate to ask um some of the bain community members um so basically i'm asking all the stupid questions so that you don't have to and with that in mind why don't we meet uh some of the some of the friends that we've got here this morning uh blessing good morning hello tell us a little bit about yourself
1: i grew up in zimbabwe i moved to namibia to initially study a degree in economics, ended up doing a degree in theology, there's a long story behind that, but that's where I met my wife. We then moved to the United Kingdom three and a half years ago to take on a role as a youth worker in a place called Lowestoft, which is the most easterly town in the country. It was a big cultural jump for us, we've had to learn so much during that time, and um, coming from a country where we're predominantly African to a context that's predominantly white British has been a steep learning curve for us. Um, but we do trust that God has placed us here for a purpose. Um, I'm sure some of the the, the implications of that would be unpacked as we go along with this podcast.
0: Thank you. Um Sabrina, hello. Tell us a little bit yep. about yourself. Yeah.
2: Well, I've been at Trinity for six weeks. Um I am originally from Oxford. Um grew up in council housing there. Believe it or not, Oxford has council housing too. Um and um, I'm I'm like first generation born in the UK. My mum grew up in Jamaica. She came over here when she was 15. Um, my grandma and her family and her siblings had moved away from Jamaica to England as well as America and Canada um, during the 60s and 70s. Um, so yeah, so our background was like me and my cousins were the first to do everything, like first to go to uni, first to do. All the way through um school so very it's a very weird system when you're doing stuff that your parents have never gone through themselves
0: and last but certainly not least Andy hello tell us a little about yourself
3: uh, i was I was actually adopted from China when I was a baby um, uh, and adopted into a white family with white parents along with my brother and sister who are also Chinese. So we lived in England for ten years, and then we actually moved to Thailand for seven years. Uh, to, and my parents were missionaries there, uh, in a quite a multicultural international school, and then came back after that. Uh, uh, did a gap year and then um, a year at uni, and moved to Bolton. Um, it was there the, the the last five years before I came to Trinity last year. So I've been a bit all over the place. Cool. Uh,
0: no thanks um and just before we dive into the questions um obviously the the content of what we're talking about um i think deserves a uh, a bit of prayer doesn't it Um blessing are you happy just to pray over this time sure. uh, for us mm. father we thank you for the opportunity you
1: give us um to talk about um issues of diversity um we pray, Lord God, that this would somewhat be an educational experience for those that are listening and that um yeah you would receive glory in, in, in the conversation that takes place this morning. Amen. Amen.
0: Okay. Um so the first question I've got here for you all, um, and this is going to be a bit of a free-for-all, so it's whoever gets in first um is I would love to know, perhaps, from, from each of you actually, uh, when did British culture uh, make you realize that you were an ethnic minority? And how did that feel? When did you first feel that difference? Go on, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, no, no one's going
1: to jump right. in. I will. That's going to be. All right, be- let me jump on. in, and then Sabrina can go in afterwards. <laughs> the, the recent convert to British culture. Um, So besides jumping off a plane, leaving Namibia, it was 36 degrees Celsius, really Mm -hmm. hot, getting to Heathrow, and it's six degrees, it's cold and dark. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I actually remember one time being invited for tea, right, and that was late, around four or five or something like that, and I assumed it's biscuits and tea. And when I got into this house, there was a full spread for us and the family, and that was a big jump for us. I was like, I thought that we were going to have a meal, but actually we are going to have I mean, I thought we were going to have tea, but actually, we're going to have a proper meal. But it's the small things. The point I'm trying to bring out here is the small things that we take for granted within the culture mm. that can be so radically different. Um, uh, a- another example is when I was when I began preaching in my former church in the east. Um, I get feedback that they can't understand my accent sometimes, and one of those feedbacks came from a- an English professor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh wow okay I'm definitely different so it's all those small things that you take for granted I thought I spoke English my whole life and actually coming into the culture <laughs> that was a rude wake-up call
0: yeah <laughs> okay thank you um go on Sabrina what were you gonna say
2: yeah so mine's, mine's a bit ironic so I was five and I was on the playground and I got told to go back home but it was by like a Pakistani kid. Um, So obviously someone had said, I presume someone white had said that to him and he felt very much like he was bottom of the heap. And so kind of lashed out and then kind of told me to go back home. And I reflect reflect back with my wiser eyes um, that, you know, like no one wants to be at the bottom. And so I think some of my experience was like part of being a minority group where you're battling other minority groups so that you're not at the bottom and you don't realise, actually, we should be fighting the top. (laughs) We Mm. should be fighting the system. We shouldn't be five-year-olds telling each other to go back home (laughs) because we all belong here. You know, so that was was the first weird bit of my (laughs) life. Oh,
0: yeah i never thought that would happen. Yeah, like yeah. that. Um yeah, Andy, go on. Are you are you happy to share? Yeah, yeah. Um so I think
3: because I was adopted by two white parents. Um I I I'd always known that distinction from quite young, because um obviously there's we had three Chinese kids and two white parents who so we went to we went to like a school with other um minorities in, but um definitely was probably the majority white. And that's when I first kind of was thinking about what it meant for me to be Chinese and what it meant for me to be foreign, in a sense, because people would ask, "Why, you know, your parents are white, you're Chinese? How did that happen? What, mm. was, what was the situation around that?" I think I, I was, I think I was reasonably secure in that actually from a young age, um, but probably later in life started to actually think about it more, become more insecure about it. Probably, mm. to be fair. Mm. Uh, but I'm sure we'll go that, into that. In the,
0: in the podcast, yeah sure, sure, okay, and I guess um perhaps Sabrina, if you're happy to answer this, um I guess uh, the other question I was asked was like how yeah obviously you had that incident when you were five, uh how did that understanding of difference change as you got older um yeah, perhaps you could elaborate on that,
2: yeah, I think um. I have spent my life in predominantly white circles. I have, you know, I've lived in Oxford, which is quite diverse, but my mum kind of felt like she had to choose between picking a good area to live in that got you into the good schools because Oxford's very much a catch, wherever you live that gets you into that school. And so she fought really hard for us to live in a certain area, but then that meant that, you know, my education was quite monochrome um and so you kind of you you're fighting this like invisible battle and not realizing that it's not what every other kid is doing um in my case like I'm there going to school and kind of you're very aware like teachers don't really look like you the examples they're giving don't really look like you but you just think that's life and then you actually reflect and lots of reflections come as I've got older like I, I was the only one and actually having a bit of an uphill battle just to be on the same playing level playing field as as other people like I've lived in Stoke-on-Trent which is very white and the BNP were really big when I was at university then that was quite a difficult place to be I've lived in Texas which is very segregated um, and that's a difficult place to be and you you get on with it you just get on with life because that's your life but you realize afterwards no one else is having to deal with it and often people just aren't culturally aware and don't do much to go beyond themselves in order to make sure you feel as included in an area as you as you Mm. should if that makes Mm. sense
0: Mm. yeah definitely I'd love to get your thoughts on this next question Um, and I'll give you a bit of context to it first Uh, someone said to me last year that they wished white people would stop asking them questions and they wished white people would educate themselves. Um, But I guess when I heard that, I thought, well, I kind of want to be able to ask questions because I accept that I'm blind to a lot of these issues and no matter how much I do to try and educate myself, I'm still going to be, at best, partially blind to these things. So how can... In your view white people ask questions in a constructive way how do you feel about that
2: i i would say um relationship is so key don't don't be coming up to me when we've never chatted before and you're like oh black person Exotic, tropical, let's ask her some questions. <laughs> no, no, just because I cried in front of you at chapel doesn't mean that you get free reign on my life and on racial issues, you know. <laughs> so, I think it, it all has to come out of friendship, out of relationship, out of a genuine, you've got a connection, and as part of that connection, you want to go deeper into understanding that person. Like, I, it sounds horrible i can tell when people are chatting to me and they have other friends other people they know who are not white like you can just tell there's a vibe and i think one of the most important things i would encourage people is you need to organically be challenging yourself to have intentional friendships with people who are different um, to you and i think also you have to say are you ready to hear truths because if, if you sit down with me and ask me to talk about race, you, you're going to hear some things you're probably not going to like. Like, are you, people say they want education, but what kind of education do they want? Do they want Sesame Street education or do they want like real big girl and boy books education? So that's what, that's what I would say about that.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely jump off that one as well. That's what came to mind relationships. Um, I've had in my two years at Trinity, um, People have been able to have really raw conversations mm-hmm. about regarding race because there's a there's a level of relationship there in which I can be vulnerable and I can trust that they'll 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 see the heart behind what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um and in the, the same is true in reverse. There's things I've had to learn about the white culture that I've asked some of these guys and really gone for it, and they knew that actually um, it's born out of a genuine desire to know, to learn. Yeah. I'll give an example of this being done wrong, or maybe not something, having conversation outside relationship. Um, We were in my former church and a lady from another church visited, and our daughter had just been born, and her comments were, ah, we've not had one of these in our church. Can I touch her hair? Okay. (laughs) You know, no relationship, we don't know you. My wife was gracious, she allowed her to touch her hair. All the time someone said, ah, after two years in the same context, no relationship, they felt my skin and said, "Oh, it's soft." Do you get what I'm saying? No relationship. I could take offense on that. With that, mm. or I could say that's just sheer ignorance. Um, relationship just allows, um, I think, you know, us to have healthy, formative conversations. You're able to ask about how do I, how do you keep your Afroblissing? Do you do you put something in it or whatever? And I'd be comfortable with that. Uh, but if I don't know you, I can take lots of offence. Or when, 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 when we're in a class or a lecture, um, I'm not the authority on everything black, everything Mm-mm. African. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just sorry, I'm going on and on. I might be jumping. No, 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 not but. at all. No, but not it's true.
2: It's like yeah. people, especially in the situation at like Trinity, where there is a very small group of us who are not part of the white middle class like background then people do come to you as authority i'm i'm one person i'm one very opinionated person with one unique experience the same as everyone else like like if you a real education is a broad education not a singular education and a real education is one that you invest in and you spend time in and you're not just lazy and just reaching for the nearest person in proximity to you who happens to be a couple of shades darker than you so i think you know we're grown-ups we need to not be like yeah. bottle fed this stuff and like wanting to drink milk we need to be on solid food we need to be doing a depth and educating of ourselves and exposing ourselves to different things as well andy i'm gonna let you talk because so i talk too much
3: yeah. <laughs> <coughs> no i think um i agree and i think an import- important caveat on both of what sabrina vessel says is that its relationship not with the specific agenda of learning about mm. color color either you can't just be i'm friends with you because i want to educate myself either
2: mm-hmm. There's, there,
3: needs to be a gen- there needs to be a genuine friendship there as well and yeah you, you can't just be yeah uh, let's get to know you and then then i have free license to ask two questions so yeah. get to know you because i love you as my christian brother and sister yeah and I how i can understand and bless and um I guess as we will, depending on where God takes any of us, we will be ministering to probably many different races.
1: Um, so it's, it's, it's that as well, if I makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and just to throw it in there, I guess obviously if you're listening and it's the Trinity context, there's only a small sample size, for, for lack of a better expression, there's a few of us. Um, there are other contexts in which you could build relationships beyond Trinity. So that need not be, uh, an excuse. Oh, we can't all be friends with the minorities. there. That's not realistic, you know? Um, yeah, but just, I guess, exposing yourself to the, the possibility of those relationships building and seeing where God takes that.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 It's a very wise words. Thank you. Um, okay. Another question. Um, so I read, uh, Rennie's book, uh Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race over the Summer, um, which was uh eye opening to say the least.
2: Good.
0: Um, but one <laughs> of the things <laughs> oh <my God.
2: laughs> so that's doing probably... the Lord's work. I don't care, that's not the Christian but She is doing the Lord's work and she's <laughs> made my life easier. Praise the Lord for Rennie Edo Lodge.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, i un- um eye opening is is probably the biggest understatement. Um but one of the things that I was really surprised to read in her book, she talked about um, uh, like the mistake, I suppose, of um, white parents raising children to be blind to colour, which was definitely my kind of assumption of like, we should be teaching that like, we're all the same, you know, like there's no difference, all this sort of stuff. And her kind of point um, from what I remember, it's now obviously a couple of months since I read the book, but from what I remember she was sort of saying like, no, 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 no. We've got to be teaching about difference, about history specifically, Mm. so that your children have an awareness of where certain issues have come from um, and so they sort of enter the world with that knowledge. Um, And I found that quite surprising, but um, but I suppose the question I wanted to ask you, specifically in relation to Trinity and Christian parents, obviously there are a lot of young families at Trinity, how can um parents raise their children to see difference in a really positive way and how can we educate children um about these sort of issues
2: i think again it goes to me it's like it's social so much of it is social circles it's you know it's not a book it's not a video it's it's the spaces you choose to inhabit so we're we're very tribal as people like we naturally move and go towards the people that look like us sound like us have the same kind of value systems as us which is fine but then what narratives what stories are our kids learning from that they're learning very singular narrative stories um so i i would challenge parents like Look at the schools like you I, I really rail against schools because the good schools so often are the schools where the white middle class like nice pet two parent families send their kids like it's rarely that a good school is defined as a very mixed broad school like where are you sending your kids to where are you sending your kids to nursery what what's the diversity background of the kids that they're playing sports with doing ballet with and and things and in every city you can say it's it's challenging because we're in bristol and bristol's 90 whatever percent white and stuff but you can always make efforts like the toys and the books that you're giving your kids the tv shows that they are watching like are you making efforts to make it as divide like as diverse as possible um And are your kids constantly seeing people like them or are they realizing they're different? Like I've got a five year old and an eight year old. They were three and four really when they realized that they were like dual heritage, that they were brown, that they were not the white majority. Um, But then my husband would say he was 32 when he realized his whiteness. Guys, no, can't happen can't happen won't happen on my watch shouldn't be happening on your watch like kids need to be awareness that they're not the special snowflake and they're not like the only one and that families are different families are made up in different ways families look color wise in different ways and to just do our kids the justice of broadening them at an early age
0: can i ask you something off the back of that because and you sort of touched on it um but like for for me, I, I'm, so I'm from Devon, which I think our BAME community is now up to about six people, um, yeah, across right. Devon. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, like, but as, as a kid, you know, it was incredibly, um, unusual for me to see anyone of color, uh, in Devon. That's, that is different now. Um, but, but still, um, very much unusual probably. Um, and like i suppose and this is not to signal any kind of like oh look at us look at the great things we're doing as a family but one of the things we've tried to do for evie because we accept that we're in bristol now we're going back to devon for curacy um like one of the things we've done is like we've bought her specifically books that have a range of diversity of people in we bought her like um uh, a black baby doll to like play with. Um, so that's like her main doll because we're just trying, we we basically read um, recently about how I think it was um, the social sciences were saying that at, at the age of two, you have already formed your understanding yeah. of like, who are my people and who are not my people. Yeah. Um, and so like trying to do something about that as early as possible. Um, I guess like I was going to ask you, where or, or what more can you do if you're from a majority white area like you know most of the Southwest is, let's be honest. Um, yeah, what what more as parents could we do, for example? Um
2: I mean, but- we're in such a great age, like with the internet especially. You know, there's so many things that we can watch and we can see. You just have to be intentional, like you guys have been, with the books, with the toys, with the dolls, um, you know. Christmas. Christmas is real whitewashed, guys. It's real whitewashed. Like, what colour is the angel on top of your tree? What colour are the people in the nativity? Because the the way Jesus has no tan, I I don't understand. Like, you know, so what? just really look intentionally at all the different bits of your life. Where do you choose to go to holiday? What What areas do you go to get food in? Where do you go and eat? like at restaurants like it's all these little things that add up and I say ultimately like we we need to do it like for the kids for the benefit of all of our children having a better go at life than us and like it's been hard culturally for my kids moving from Birmingham to Bristol and having some ignorant comments on the first couple of days of school like however much it hurts people to put themselves out there if you don't your kids you don't want to think your kid's going to be mean to someone and they won't necessarily be mean but they will say harmful comments just out of ignorance Mm. and and then parents like me are left to kind of pick up the pieces and support their kids through that so I think you just have to be intentional in every area of your life Mm. no matter where you live like I'm not saying you're using it as an excuse, but I'm like, geography isn't an excuse. Mm. Like we've got a whole big wide world that we can access. Mm. Mm.
0: That's really good. Thank you. Um, um,
3: I think uh, something parents own self-reflection would be fear uh, and assessing your own kind of mm -hmm. internal goings on about how you feel about you know other cultures other races and uh and your kids getting to know other cultures other races because mm-hmm. you know parents can be very protective and say "No, we want to we want to maintain the the culture we've had for the last 10 generations you know what i mean and it goes both ways for minorities as well there, there's a there's a, want, a need to protect and preserve what we've inherited ourselves but there was, is much more of a need to as we've said to expand that and to um it's not just learning about people. It's about understanding your brothers and sisters again, who are completely different cultures, and we all have them from all over the world. So there's yeah. a need to to. Um, to well, I guess yeah. Just think about why, if you are not exposing, what, what why are you doing that, or mm. or are you just being good with the norm, or are you again yeah, being intentional? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Yeah, just just to piggyback off that, uh, part of the experience I'm having, we are having to learn to actually expose our children to Black contexts and Black relationships, Mm -hmm. which is quite awkward. You would not think that, right? You'd think that would happen naturally. But having been in the country, like I said, three and a half years, we don't have too many of those. So we have to be super intentional about some of the TV programs, some of the books we get her. And We have been trying to observe her relational dynamics around her white friends and her black friends and just trying to, um, uh, again, bring out that equal humanity, but celebrate your diversity. Um, And also the fact that she's here, there's things that she will have to learn culturally that are intrinsically British. I'm an African man, my values have been formed. We are African, we've been formed in Africa, you know, Uh, but we cannot raise an African in this context. So she, her identity has evolved and we are going to have to go on a journey where we, ex- we, we help her develop her identity now, you know, um, whether it's black context or white context in this country, what does that look like? At this stage, I don't know if I'm, to be honest, because there's, uh, there's a sense in which there is healthy assimilation in order to function, mm. but at the same time, you don't want her to lose, you know, her cultural heritage, whatever yeah. that is. Um, yeah.
0: Cool. Thank you very much, all of you. Um, I just want to go back to Rennie's book briefly, because um, w- when I read that, I was r- <laughs> I was reading the history section in that book whilst I was having our car tyres <laughs> changed, um, and I, I I read it and it and it genuinely broke me, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. Um, and I was trying really hard not to cry <laughs> in this like. The entire waiting bay, um, and uh, and I think partly I was crying or trying not to cry because um, partly because uh, what I was reading was so shocking, mm. but also I was um, so upset by it because I realised how ignorant I am to a lot of black history or or how you know our education system in Britain does not provide the level of detail or um and 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 all the really tough stuff that goes with it uh, that was provided in that chapter by Renny um my first response after reading that was like I just I need to say I just felt this urgency to say sorry <laughs> and I don't know whether that was the right thing or not but like um my, my sister-in-law is is um first generation but of uh, Ghanaian descent and I text her and was like if I've ever done anything that has ever unintentionally just made myself look like an idiot or or said something that's hurt you or offended you or whatever but also I just feel like I need to apologize on behalf of Britain for making you feel what you felt and all this sort of stuff and I suppose my question is is it ever helpful or healing for someone to apologize to you in that kind of way and it uh, don't worry if you say no because <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm fully uh, accepting that my response may not have been right but that's just sort of what came out in the moment
1: yeah I think just, just to, uh, when I think about the diverse experiences of black communities around the world I mean um, the, the Caribbean experience is not necessarily the African experience and so when someone comes to say sorry uh, they may not necessarily be speaking about what my ancestral lineage went through Um, But just looking at what the nation may have done in the past. I'm not big on white guilt, but I'm big on being accountable for today and the actions we take Mm. today. Uh, So if we are looking at the past and saying, oh, they did that, fair and fine, you know, it was wrong. It was unjust. What are we doing today moving forward? That's why Jamie's session was very powerful for me, for example, when he preached. It It was not another black voice saying, can you hear us? Can you look at our history? As a white middle-class male saying, actually, you know, we need to draw a line in the sand and take action going forward. And this is Mm -hmm. what scripture calls us to do. Um, And I know there are different experiences. So my African uh, experience is very different from the Caribbean story. And I'm assuming Reni highlights that. I've not read the book as yet. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's my two cents on that conversation. What do we do today? Um, It's powerful, Mm -hmm. the fact that you saw that there's something wrong.
0: What's the next step? Mm. Mm. Does anyone else want to jump in on that? Go on Sabrina. Uh,
2: yeah, I think <laughs> <laughs> let, let me have a good Jesus heart. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> Go for it. I think,
2: I think first of all, like obviously it's good to apologize and things. Um, i think I think it's the s- specific apologies like there I, I had some instances over the summer where people came to me and they were like, I've reflected back specifically on this situation where I felt like I didn't get you or I put that, put what you were trying to explain about race down. And like, I want to apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Like for me, that was easier to take than, some of the random random rambling messages i got i mean like a lot of people seem to have my phone number after black lives matter and were just texting me really just to alleviate themselves more than anything else and so my question always is like who and what are the tears for Mm. who or what are the tears for because sometimes our tears are selfish they're us they that it's actually us dealing with something mm. and it's a, an internal lament and repent that we think we need to make it an outward thing but actually it's an internal it's a god dealing with us and we just need to keep it to ourselves or our prayer triplet our accountability person because mm. it's not actually of benefit to the other person it's just trying to kind of get rid of a bit of our guilt mm. and like think also like what do you want as a result of it is your heart like like when you apologize for whatever it is the the sins of your people whatever like what do you what are you expecting as a result of it and that's why i think again sometimes it needs to be a bit more internal unless it's a specific situation for someone so that then you can work out like what's the action moving forward like sometimes it's better to to have processed it a bit more and come with i i'm recognizing this and this is what i want to do moving forward some for me you know i I'm, I'm a mean person sometimes um but i think i think then a lot of it's like this is for people like me who've been born here who Have had lots of different situations, the influx of apologies and tears that came over the summer. I felt like some people didn't think, what's the emotional load for this black person that I'm suddenly putting it on? And that's what I found. That's why I say, like, what are the tears for? Because are you really thinking about how I suddenly feel about you, random person who I hardly ever speak to, suddenly coming with? all this litany of sins and stuff you're upset about. Like we've got to be really considerate towards each other. Like I have to be considerate when you come up to me and you ask a question I might not like or, or, or whatever, I've got to be considerate and go, I want to build the kingdom. So when you're, when, so when white people are coming and they're upset and they're dealing with something, they need to just be mindful and think, how am I building the kingdom? How am I building the other person up? We all need to support each other better emotionally. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. yeah. Andy, did you want to throw anything? You don't have to, but no. Okay. Um, well, okay. Lots of wisdom. Thank you. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, sorry, blessing. Did you? You look. You look like you've got. Yeah, it's. It's. Something I guess to my learn.
1: mind is trying to process the side of. um, our our depravity, um, mm. all of us, the the, the condition mm. of the human heart, uh, yeah. whether I'm black or white, um, you know, what does Christ call us to? And I've said this before. Um, if I look at parts of sub-Saharan Africa, Southern Africa, you notice my I'm trying to speak of a context I'm well aware of, uh, with some of the xenophobic attacks among tribal communities, which mm-hmm. are, which is black on black crime. Um, how does the gospel speak into the condition of the human heart, whether it's tribalism or racism? And uh, yeah, I guess Jamie's session on our new humanity and our new identity, speaking into that. Um, Yeah, so the the fact that you felt guilty for it, I was thinking, what are are areas of sin in my own life that I feel guilty about Mm -hmm. or overwhelmed by that don't have to deal with race in particular? And how do I approach that? Mm. before I answer whether your, your your response was appropriate or not. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm still thinking through this, Pete. But yeah, sure. let's see where I yeah. got
2: that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. we, we've all fallen short. And I think then that's even more the danger of when we suddenly come to people who aren't white and we want them to be like fix and educate and solve it's like i know i am not a good human being a lot of the time <laughs> like yeah. i am very aware that i make mistakes i don't want to suddenly get put up on this pedestal or you know become a guru with things or or whatever like i recognize that that while i have my radar up to race my radar might not be up to issues of sexuality of ability um uh, all the gender issues of appreciating different people's churchmanships. like we all fall short in different areas of truly recognizing who we each are and what we all bring and how we need each other for the body of christ Mm -hmm. and like my heart is just that we would all build that together a more inclusive church not just for black i'm not just rooting for black people you know though Mm. i am rooting for black people um (laughs) but i'm not just rooting for black people i want to see everyone thrive i want to see everyone feel like i deserve my spot at the table like Mm. i deserve to be like I guessed with Jesus. Like I want everyone to to feel that.
0: Okay, thank you. I I should probably add um, a caveat into what I shared a moment ago, only because I, I didn't want it to feel like you were all therapizing
2: um,
0: my uh, my response. But I I share that just because I wondered whether anyone else.
2: There's other cool. people. There's other people who are scrolling through their phone right now, trying to click delete on a couple of texts. Don't worry, buddy. Yeah.
0: Not well. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, next question, uh, and this is perhaps a bit more close to home in that it's about the Trinity community. So, so brace yourselves. Um, and <laughs> what common mistakes do people at Trinity make either that unintentionally hurt you or? show their own ignorance how can we do better as a community andy has got his hand up he's very polite go on
3: Andy. <laughs> uh, i think one, one, one thing is like when people will ask you where you're from and then they, they, well they'll throw out are oh, you from china you're from japan you're korean you're thai you know, it, like it's quite specific because cultures are so unique like, even in those courses I just said, they're so different. Mm. It's like it's like me saying, are you from England? Or are you German? Are you Italian? Are you French? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> the other way around, it sounds like, whoa, dude, they're so... <laughs> they're, they're, they're completely different. And I think maybe, like, stereotyping the whole mm-hmm. of, like, either Oriental or African or Caribbean or South American or, or or white or whatever is probably not helpful. So, like, it's just, yeah, it should be doing. Ignorance, I guess, when it's like, oh, you're from somewhere there. I'm gonna take a random
1: stab and say there, because they're all completely unique and different.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. And suddenly, Andy, when a question comes about in a lecture, for example, about the Asian experience, you you are the expert, right? Because you're <laughs> from the part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just yeah. just to, just throw an example out there. In Namibia, for example, where I lived for for 13 years and uh, for seven years, there are 13 tri- tribal groups. That's one country. And it's a very small country with 13 tribal groups. And all of their, their cultural practices are vastly different. Their, their values are vastly different. But sometimes when, when you're being told to talk about the Black African experience, what exactly are you talking about? It's just <laughs> all about it. Know? Uh, it makes no sense. No. Um, so uh, I do appreciate people saying, oh, they might know something. I've been in lectures where someone has pointed and said, let's hear his voice. But actually, I knew nothing. And please don't do it next time. I love you if you're listening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, but that's the thing. Like, I think I think I can safely say this on behalf of of the small group of us of the BAME community. Like, we we don't have to be in every conversation about race. You you got mm. you guys have been having plenty of race conversations without our inclusion. You can just carry on with that. <laughs> you don't need to add us into that. <laughs> so um so i'll start with that um and and safety and trust are so important like yeah i i guess you know i come i am quite an open person but actually to go beyond this level there's quite like a big A big gap, a big jump. I'm very particular about who I choose to share different parts of my life with, as anyone has the freedom to be. And so I think it's just like safety is really important, trust is really important. Don't be asking me about my racial business because it's none of your business. Like, let me choose when I want to engage. Like, honor me enough to let it be on my terms and not on your terms. And I will do the same for you when it comes to the issues in your life, like let's just be a bit more um, sensitive to each other. And, um, and, and because, you know, I don't want to be the negative one. I'll say something positive um, in that early on, like we were all getting to know each other. And um, someone realized like my family, my husband's whites, so my girls are dual heritage, um, white British, black British. And, um, and someone said like, well, what, ter- what term do you prefer to be used? Um, for your girl's heritage I was like well you know this and this blah, but they were like no but what do you prefer for your family and I was like I really respected that they were trying to find out like what what does our family value how do we like to be what terms have meaning to us Um, you just want to feel like people care That's ultimately what it is. I want to feel like people care about me, and not that I'm an issue or your ticker box because you chatted to a minority ethnic today. Like I want it to be to to feel genuine. Um, So my yeah, stop (laughs) laughing.
1: Especially after an emotive uh, conversation on race, which tends to happen cyclically at Trinity. Yeah you know, if you're feeling guilty or convicted by something, please don't immediately rush and think, oh, I need to tick my box with the first minority I see. But also, Sabrina, could you kindly comment, if you don't mind, on a conversation I've had with you about you are not only an authority on race when you're having six conversations about different theological subjects. Don't only call me to the table when you want to talk about diversity. Yeah. Uh, I think
2: that's really important because, and I was very aware before coming to college. I got I've got a lot to say about race, but I've got a lot to say about a lot of other things as well. And it's that whole I don't. None of us want to get no no one wants to get pigeonholed into. Pete just talks about worship. Or Pete just talks about prayer, like because that is part of you, but there's other parts of you. And so that's it, like remembering our full humanity. We've all got lots to offer and lots of points of view in lots of different areas. A more diverse point of view isn't just needed in race. It's needed in community. It's needed in churchmanship. It's needed in women and whatever. So just broaden your mindsets. I think is really important. And don't just pull people into conversations because it's about race, but because you want to hear about their point of view in general. I think that's really important for all of us as a community together. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Building on that then, um, someone in the Trinity faculty put this question in, Uh, what can faculty do to value and encourage students if it's not this is my bit added onto it if it's not the kind of token what do you have to say about this particular issue as the token person as the token african person in our group or whatever this
2: is, this is the problem i'm an external processor let me give you my thoughts and the boys will come with their wisdom afterwards um, <laughs> like no one no one wants special treatment and praise the lord we've got anonymous marking so we can't get that anyway oh, praise the lord. But, it's, but it's like you just want to have the same experience as everyone else. And I do want to honor Trinity in this because I could have been at a lot of other places and I visited a lot of other places, but I felt like because of what Trinity just has an awareness of where it is right now and that they can do better and want to do better. I felt like when I'm at Trinity, if, if I'm like not getting something or, Or like I'm getting feedback and I get negative feedback. I'm going to know it's because that was rubbish. Your point was not a good one and not that it's like a racial attack, (laughs) Mm. which isn't how I would have felt at some other theological, um, colleges to be quite honest. Mm. Um, like recognize for us as like non-white students, there is no staff member who shares our experience. There is no staff member who knows what it means to be a black woman going into a predominantly white church and having to lead that space. There is no one on staff who knows what it's like to be Chinese and not have that really well known and visible in the church of England. Like recognize that as staff, like culturally, we've got gaps, um, And we're not getting, and because of that, we're then not getting the same experience as our white counterparts, because they have got leaders that they can look to who are doing things just like they will do in the future, but we don't. And so you kind of have to think like, who are the guest speakers that you can bring in? What are the special sessions that might need to be put on for us guys? What are the wider issues of modules? like? in terms of the reading lists and the videos we watch and the examples that are given and the pictures that are shown on screen, like what helps show the full story in Christ that there's not just white people who serve Jesus, who love Jesus, you know? Um, and so, yeah, like just my hope and prayers of faculty with the limitations that they have, can just paint for us like a really inclusive picture around not just race, around gender and ability and sexuality and things. Um, but yeah, just recognize there are limitations and try and fill the gaps of those where you can.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Blessing and Andy, do you want to throw anything in on top of that?
1: Yeah, I think she pretty much summed it up, but representation matters. <laughs> is- it's <laughs> the Queen Mother, she tends to do that, right? She's the bastion of all wisdom. No. Um, yeah, she. Uh, I think representation matters. For example, when we had Esther come and speak to us, I felt really different when I saw in front of yeah. the chapel, uh, something resonated on a deeper level than mm-hmm. just uh, the, the theology she was, I mean, what she was preaching that morning. I could identify with her. And the fact that she was, did she say 17 years ago?
3: Yeah. You know,
1: I can imagine what sort of context she came into and what she might have had to engage with in that day. So representation matters. Um, Yeah, so if, if, and I know that the staff has been making headway in trying to be intentional in sort of changing the composition in employing ethnic minorities and the like. Um, Yeah, please don't slow down. (laughs) keep at it. Uh, I think that the college is doing way more than it's not a competition with other theological colleges, but to make sure that the BAME community here uh, is well represented. I think they are trying to uh, model what inclusivity looks like. The fact that we have a BAME group, we meet together, we discuss issues of race, the fact that there's ongoing discourse really let out in the open and they keep asking what can we do? Uh, I think just hire some more black people. I mean, minorities. <laughs> let <laughs> us for, the money. Let's go for the jangular. Let's <laughs> go for it. Let's be very direct. Hire some more minorities. Get some black people up in there. Get Play some them, Asian you. people up in there. Let's just do it, you know. Yeah. And they are. They exist. They're there. Let's just get on with it. And
2: that's a scary thing. That is the... F- The Church of England is currently training hundreds of Ordinands who are not being taught by a broad range of leaders. How are we going to make change in our country if the very people who are going out to lead churches are not being taught by a a broad spectrum of people? That is problematic. And that is bigger than Trinity but Trinity can be a big part of kicking some doors and saying guys let's start getting our beep in order you know so Sabrina,
1: I, let, let me ask the question because I don't think Pete would ask it <laughs> I'm politically correct uh, there's an ongoing conversation about um, obviously they, they, they try and look in ethnic minority circles but the people who are not qualified enough I'm not saying the Trinity experience but in general what would you say
2: about that like I say who are you have to look steps back. So, um, for staff hires, you ideally want someone who's got a PhD, is is probably ordained as well. Let's look at the access, number one, to ordination, because as a fact, we know that different minority groups across the country often will get stopped in the discernment process and not make it forward because of a lack of understanding um, culturally. So there's going to be less people. And PhDs, is higher education really attainable for all? Is it really a level playing field for all people in our country right now? it's not so already you're looking for a very niche model and i'm not really one for like lowering the standards for different people but there are different jobs and there's different ways to ensure that culturally our needs are met there are different roles that you can have in whether it's staff at asap or just different sessions there's there's lots of other ways that you can have um inclusion like I, I mean, I admit, I do appreciate at Trinity, because some of the colleges I visited, the only time I saw black people, they were serving something. So, at least we're doing better than that, but there's still there's still ways to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Andy, do I you want just to...
3: to-, just, to well, just to echo both of those things, really, is that I think Trinity is, is genuinely trying to do its best. Um, just to encourage, encourage uh, the faculty as well, that you know, I don't, I don't generally feel um, pigeonholed by faculty or by um, no. the staff members, which is an amazing, amazing thing, definitely, um, just to encourage there, really. But I think it's a blessing blessing, Sabrina, of saying it's uh, one step of the journey. So keep going. Mm. Mm.
0: Keep being humble and listening. Okay. Mm. Okay. Final question as we look to um, coming to land and i'm gonna bung it in with i'm actually gonna make two questions one um you will i'm sure remember and we've already mentioned already jamie's um quite amazing talk um three or four weeks ago now probably longer um and one of the things he kept drawing out of ephesians was that vision of like new humanity um and I really remember that image of him talking about that church that had literally built a wall down the middle of it. Um, I don't know if you remember that bit. Um, but I suppose, what does like what in your mind does the church need to do um, in order to break down some of the walls that we have created, whether intentionally or unintentionally? Um, and how, therefore, should we be praying um into these issues as well
1: tokenism is outdated. um so the idea of let's just put more black faces in churches or colleges or wherever we want representation yes there's a part there's there there is some uh something to say there but then if our theology does not shift to what jamie spoke of uh, a new humanity um I think that has to start at diocesan level, you know, like literally if there's a way you could, I know you can't legislate what people preach, but then so that so much so that you are changing the culture, you are uh, informing communities at mass that this is what the Bible called, the standard that the Bible calls us to in terms of our, our placing, our identifying with the other, our love for the neighbor, regardless of age, ethnicity, et cetera. Um, yeah, so I think it's a fundamentally theological issue. If that's not changed, mm-hmm. everything you do outwardly is mm-hmm. a waste of time. So we can I can go into a church where they're predominantly, I mean, they, it's fully white, but then their theology is so inclusive that the moment I walk in, I feel welcome
2: Yeah,
1: as a black person, even though they are white leaders. Why? There's something right with the theology. So I think that's one area that needs, I, I don't know whether we can practically do it. But I think that it, it really feeds into um, what the church becomes. Um, and I think the second thing to say is concrete actions. You know what I'm saying? Like if we are going to put black faces or ethnic minority faces, let's do it. You know, we're past repenting, we're past lamenting, we're past... Mm-hmm. We know it's wrong. Someone is talking about commissions for commissions that were done. But from 1985 or something, there's been several commissions on change in the Church of England. It's not enough for, we don't want another commission. It's time for action. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure this commission will will, be renewed in a few years time for more action. Mm.
2: So off the back of what Blessing's saying, so since 1985, 12 reports on racial justice have been written, 160 formal recommendations have been made. You have got, you the Church of England, have got a list of things to do. Do them. This is... 1985 that's all of our lifetimes This, this being aware it, We're done We're done kids Get on with it Just do it Just do what you got told to do Yeah <laughs> Like, and we And we pray We pray literally every day Your kingdom come Your will be done On earth as it is in heaven You've got everything <laughs> you need I don't know what There's nothing for me to tell you You have everything you need Right there Off you go
3: Mm. I think um, just just to uh, quickly ask Blessing actually just to explain the difference between tokenism and representation because it might be confusing mm.
0: yeah I wanted to ask you that yeah
1: good question I think there's the yeah, uh, tokenism you know, we're putting a face uh, to ease our own guilt mm-hmm. we, want, we realize what's happening in culture there's the George Floyd things there's the black metal protests we want to be seen as having been on the right side of history so mm-hmm. we'll employ someone who's who's a minority, you know what I'm saying? Um, Whereas representation, I think is a different issue. I think that uh, you are saying that person in their unique identity is able to inspire, able to model, able to uh, be a sounding board of experience and theology, for example, in a way that I could relate to. So if if a black African guy was on staff, there's things that I could engage with them in a, in a, easier than I would do with the sort of white middle-class male. Not that I can't have a relationship with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think those, those are definitely two different things. It comes, it comes come to the heart of the organization or the church or the college, whatever. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's, uh, let's put a face so that we look good in, in this moment in history, but that's not enough. You know, if you're going to put a face, it has to be born out of actually we realize there's a sin here called, you know, radical injustice, racism, and you're calling it out and you're taking the actions to address
3: yeah. it. Um, yeah, and it's about um, listening and being willing to change from that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, the church is gonna need a lot of grace to change from everyone's side because change, takes, change is, isn't easy, obviously, any, any kind of change. Um, so people are gonna to need to be really patient and, and humble and gentle with each other. And there has been a lot of hurt, and there's been a lot of, um, uh, you know, injustices. Mm. But peop- everyone's going to need some grace for this to change easily. Well, not e- it's not going to be easy, but uh, change. Yeah, I think humility is the important one too, because even though we're, um, you know, different, we, we might also not know best, and we don't have the power to do that um so you know from 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 the BAME perspective we need to to be willing to listen to brothers and sisters but i think that needs to be fully um both ways i think that's crucial
2: mm. Mm. ultimately our all of our hearts have to be changed Don't, like if there's not heart change then we're not going to make any real impact and i believe that's why you know lots of these recommendations didn't get enacted because people's hearts weren't in it like they they hadn't like really lamented you know like we talked earlier on pete like they hadn't got to that broken place of this means so much i'm gonna make it happen and so yeah we really yeah each each one of us knows our own heart each one of us in the church knows our own heart and we just need to bring our hearts to god that he can open them um and yeah, we just need more of God. <laughs> just, we more them. of you, Lord, please. Less of us, more of you. Because we're people, we make mistakes and we mess it up. And we need you, God.
1: I've got a brilliant quote here from uh, Bishop Stephen Cottrell's Ascension last week. As the 98th Archbishop of York, he posted this on his Twitter page. It says, the problem of the world, be it racism, poverty or environmental catastrophe, begins in the human heart which mm-hmm. so easily turns in on itself, but it can be changed. And mm-hmm. this change comes when we behold the beauty and the peace of Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, after this discourse has happened, I guess we go back to the cross and say, Lord really help us, you know, uh, hearts need to change. Actions need to be taken. Please step in.
0: I'm, I'm conscious that we are, uh, about to run out of time. Um, firstly thank you so much from the bottom of my heart on behalf of the trinity community for being willing to um to share your experience and to share your prophetic wisdom i would say um uh andy would you just pray for us and the community um as different people listen to this that that there would be change both locally at trinity um and in the church
3: Father, thank you for these uh, these words and these uh, this conversation that's been able to be had. And thank you for the freedom that we have to have it as well in this country where we are able to talk about race and talk about the issues. Um, Father, we just pray for Trinity College. Uh, would you change it and really give us all humble hearts and listening ears so that we can listen to each other, uh, not just tokenly, but uh, really genuinely um, listen to each other and... And hear each other's experiences and learn from each other and grow together as, as one body. Um, we pray that Trinity will become uh, the 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 body that we're talking about, the, the multi-ethnic, multi-diverse, multicultural family of a God. We pray for the leadership and the staff team at Trinity. God give them wisdom and encourage them and. Give them uh, knowledge of the right steps with how to, how to grow, uh, grow our college. Father, we pray for the church as a whole as well. Uh, God, humble us and, and let us hear each other. Let us hear each other's experiences and, and grow together. Lord, Lord, give the leaders of the churches um, uh, humility. Lord, also fill us all with your spirit, Lord. Fill us with your spirit that we would hear and know your love even more and that we'd be able to see that in each other, even if it's different from us or alien from us. Father, help us to see the value that you place on everybody, no matter the colour or the culture. So, Father, um, send your spirit and fill us, that we can change and be the family of God that you intend us to be. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you very much, one and all. Thank you very much for listening. People who are listening, we'll see you soon.